Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories of encounters with God. I'm your host, Robin, and I am here with Katie and Lindy, and we have a story today of hope and redemption for you. Today we have Greg and Andrea, and they are from Jackson, Mississippi, and this was actually recorded back when we were doing live gatherings, but it was a story that we waited a little while to share, and sometimes we do that. We know that we have a story that has its right timing, and we just pray and ask the Lord when the timing is right, and we feel like their story is for now. It is redemption in their marriage, and we know that right now so many people are struggling in their marriages, and so we just pray that this brings you hope and encouragement right now. This story does not have the sound quality that we normally have. There's, you'll hear some background noise throughout it, but we decided it was definitely worth sharing, and we're really excited for you to hear it. And so hang on till the end, because we do something we have not done before, which is we pray for all of you. We pray for marriages, and we're just asking the Lord to bring the restoration that occurred for Greg and Andrea to all of you. And so we hope you enjoy today's story. Our episode today is sponsored by The Relay, a new book that recently came out by George Shamblin. Katie and Robin, y'all have heard me talk about this. It is really challenging my faith, and I just love the whole premise of it because it talks about, you know, yes, we are to run the journey of our faith, but really we are to be passing the baton, passing it forwards, backwards, left and right with everyone that we come in contact with. And George does a really interesting job of chronicling you know, those faith heroes in the Bible, um, he, he talks about those from the standpoint of how they pass the baton of faith. So go check it out. You can order the relay on Amazon, of course, but also you can go to georgeshamblin.com. So it's georgeshamblin, S-H-A-M-B-L-I-N.com and order it today. We're excited about our partnership with Never Thirst. If you're not familiar with Never Thirst, they are a ministry that provides clean and living water to some of the most remote places in Asia and Africa. That's right, Lindy. One of the things that I've learned as we've partnered with them is that more than 785 million people still lack access to clean water today. And over 2,300 children die every day from waterborne disease and poor sanitation. But one of the things that Never Thirst does is they don't just provide them clean water, they provide them gospel through living water as well. Yes, we love the model that they use because they, they get to know pastors in the community and they empower women really yeah. throughout each of their projects to bring clean and living waters. So check them out at neverthirstwater.org. Thanks for the partnership, Never Thirst. I, I want to go here to help share this part of the story. Um, our stories are so intertwined, and I just wanted y'all to be able to get the whole overall picture of, um, of how God truly performed a miracle in our lives and um, transformed the hearts of two completely broken people, redeemed the both of us, and ultimately restored our marriage. So it's going to be very emotional. Um, I'm nervous too. So, so we, um, we grew up in the church, um, but I had developed the wrong views about God. I just, I, I literally viewed him as just being this giant man up in heaven, just, you know, with his arms crossed, looking down at me, and disappointment and disapproval all the time, you know, shaking his finger at me and all. And um, so I never, I never knew that he was a loving father. Um, but I was scared of him, and I was scared of going to hell. Um, so I got baptized because I thought you had to be baptized um, to, you know, so um, I got baptized when I was eight, and really I only 
did that then because my sister was being baptized. And I thought, well, might as well go ahead and do it too so that I don't have to do it later on down the road by myself. Um, so obviously nothing changed at that point. Um, and, but, you know, throughout my junior high and high school years, um, and even into college, I, I really tried um, to work on developing a personal relationship with the Lord. Um, but I was really just doing it on my own. I never completely surrendered to Him. Um, I never allowed Him to do the changing and growing in me, for me. So um, there again, I just, you know, I never got very far with it. Um, <clears throat> we were pretty sheltered. Um, at home, we, uh, my parents were very careful about what they let us watch on TV, listen to on the radio, that sort of thing. And, and we grew up um, in a, at a Christian private school, um, and we were taught a, a lot of legalistic beliefs, so it was a whole lot of do's and don'ts. And so, you know, types of messages that were portrayed were, were kind of, were things like, you know, if you drink alcohol or if you have sex before you're married, you're going to hell. Um, and so, you know, so we were really never taught about God's forgiveness and grace. And um, so, you know, not just it was all skewed, just that whole, you know, God and just that whole belief, I just, it was all skewed. Um, before I touch on this next part, I do, um, my parents really never showed affection toward each other. They, um, we never really saw them hugging or kissing or saying, I love you, that sort of thing. Um, and we were also never taught to have open and honest communication with each other. Um, the silent treatment was used very frequently in the house. Um, and there were actually, you know, several, several occasions that I remember going to my mom um, to voice my concerns about some things. And, um, and it was just shut down quickly because um, you know, it, it just never ended well, it would end very abruptly, and I would always walk away just feeling guilty and shame um, for even mentioning anything. Um, so there was um, a lot of just secrecy and, um, and boundaries being crossed on my mom's part throughout the majority of my childhood. And so, you know, it ended up significantly um, Hindering my relationship with her specifically. Um, I just I felt unloved, um, unwanted. I was angry and bitter at her all the time. Um, and, you know, and so like what I was seeing happening didn't line up with the messages that we were being taught. So it led to so much confusion for me. Um, and, and it made it hard for me to believe in absolute truths. And so, um, you know, I, and I got to just, I got to the point where I, um, you know, didn't trust my mom, and so I really didn't trust anybody. I couldn't even trust my own thoughts and feelings and beliefs. Um, so, um, I was also, um, sexually abused several times, um, by a close friend of my parents. And so the effects of that ended up just kind of trickling down into our marriage, um, when we would try, when we would be physically intimate, I, I was just very hard, and um, I would just hold myself and just try to cover up as much as I could to keep him from being able to see or feel anything. Um, and so, anyway, I never dealt with any of this. 
I didn't know exactly what that talk how to do. So I ended up just kind of turning it all inward and, and internalizing it. And um, and I never acted out. I actually did the opposite. I, I set, you know, I mean, of course, I'm, ta I'm being taught these very legalistic things, but um, so I ended up taking that to the extreme. And I set such high moral standards and rigid rules for myself. You know, that I would never be able to live up to. Um, I mean, I'm doing myself for failure, basically. Um, so, you know, obviously, I mean, I brought a lot of emotional brokenness and a lot of baggage into our relationship. Um, but I would, I would like to pause here just briefly and give a shout out to my parents. Um, having experienced all, all we've gone through and um, being a wife and mom myself now, dealing with life, the stress and troubles of life, I, I can look back now and I, I appreciate what they did for me. Um, I know that they, you know, they had their own issues and their own struggles and and I know they did the best that they could in, in raising us and um, and I can look at them now and see how God has even transformed them in their marriage over the last you know, 15 years. Um, you know, even, even a whole lot even since we dealt with this. Uh, six, seven years ago, all of us. So, um, anyway, so now to actually like see them or hear them actually say I love you to each other and um, actually watch them engage in a conversation together and laugh together, you know, I mean, it's, it's so touching for me um, and very meaningful. And, um, and of course, I would not have ever made it through this journey without them. They, they've given me love and support throughout this whole thing. Yeah, I, um, for me, this is this will be extremely emotional, <laughs> and uh, I know that's probably one of the things that I learned through everything that we went through is how to be emotional or how to, how to show emotion as a guy because I just was so hardcore wanting to be the bad guy Western on on TV. Just growing, I just had had a lot of um, thoughts and. Preconceived ideas of what a man was supposed to be like, and it was definitely not sitting here telling a story like this and, and showing any kind of emotion. <laughs> I can assure you that. So, um, but it's amazing looking back at, at our childhoods as we uh, think our lives go by so fast, and, and then we kind of like stop for a minute, like, how did we get here this fast? And then you look back, and, and so it's been trying to get all this organized, and, and it, in looking back at our childhood, it's been. It, it, it's been a uh, an interesting, I guess, thing to do because I, I I can see now why we turned we walked through the things that we ended up having to walk through. We were both lost and broken people when we got married, and it just reflected itself all through that. And uh, at, when I was eight, um, I, my mom and dad, and it, it was I was the older brother, had two younger sisters. And uh, lived in South Carolina, and my, my dad was just tragically, just just abruptly taken in a plane crash. And my mom was young uh, when he died. She was maybe 23, um, uh, with three young kids. And we we left South Carolina, moved right in with uh, her parents, moved us back to Mississippi. And um, so living with uh, my grandparents was seeing what a marriage was supposed to, in my mind, supposed to be like. My mom and papa. Well. Memo and Pepal didn't talk. There was no communication. Pepal took care of everything. Memo did her her thing, going to work, coming home, making dinner, 
no conversation, go to bed, do it all over again. So for me, that's what marriage was. And I was just going to check marriage off my list of things to do later on in life and say, I did that, whether it was good or not. Um, so we did that. Well, uh, also, after five years of that, when I was 13, uh, we found my papa that did. He had passed away there at the house one morning while we were at school. So we came home from school and found him. And th those two experiences, looking back on it, trauma effect that that had on me of, of never really learning how to of losing people like that but never learning how to grieve I don't think I ever learned how to actually grieve and move through some stages I learned how to be angry and that was the only thing I, 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 the only emotion I knew how to show was how to be angry and to take that out on everybody that, that was around me especially family um, I had a lot of insecurities because of that I didn't have any male affirmation. I didn't have a man telling me what was right or wrong. I didn't have anybody to ask those questions to. I, I just was winging it, I think I felt like, and, and looking back on it, I was. It was just, so I had some warped views of what was right or wrong, and especially uh, especially of my views of God. I was spoiled rotten because people felt sorry for me, and I learned how to control and manipulate that. Uh, people... Um, would uh, do extra things for me. Mom would do extra things for us because she felt sorry for us. She's a single mom doing the best she can. And, um, so I learned how to uh, control and manipulate in a way that I got good at. I was a perfectionist at it. And I got what I wanted almost every, every time because if I didn't, the anger came out and it was not good. Um, and I just used that anger to get what I want. And I, that spilled over to my views and relationships with, with what I thought was a relationship with God was he was he was someone I went to when I when mom didn't give me what I wanted. You go pray to God and you ask him for it, and then if he doesn't give it to you, you just try to control and manipulate God or uh, get angry at God. So I never had this uh, relationship uh, spiritually growing in a way that was that was healthy. I just. I could show it on the outside. I grew, we grew up in church, and I, I could quote the Bible frontwards and backwards, very legalistic do's and don'ts. I knew everything. I could teach Sunday school class, fill in. I taught Bible classes at school. I knew it all, but I, I, it wore me out because it wasn't real for me. It was just something that I did. I could fool her all day long and try to control her, you know, me being a Christian. And um, I, it was it, it very corroded. Um, but uh, all of that pretty much just uh, shaped and, and created this, this view of what I thought a family was supposed to be, what I was supposed to just grow up and be as a man. Um, and that's, that's what I'm bringing into our relationship when we first met, because by the time I was uh, ready to, to, to find a wife or have a wife, I was just like, okay, this is the next check on, on my list of things to do. And we got married July 2004, so that was, um, it was two years um, after we, or after we've been there for two years. Um, and it was kind of a rush type yeah. thing, like trying to just squeeze it in, squeeze the wedding in. Um, we did, that was, um, so that was uh, between the summer semester and starting the fall semester. We had a two-week break, so we just crammed the wedding in real quick and, um, <laughs> to check that off the list and, and move right on. He even had two, he had two, um, I had to do exams. Well, you had two reports to write on our honeymoon. <laughs> we, <laughs> our honeymoon was, uh, 
It was oh. definitely was awful. <laughs> it was definitely reflective of everything that we were just taking into our baggage marriage. It was not like it was on the movie, some of the movies I had seen. <laughs> when I thought it was so, but um, yes, I just I, I want to say like right now it's just things. Um, so that this next part of the story, and as we start moving into this, my I told Andrew I, I was just going to give a quick disclaimer as to please not judge me too harshly because I was a horrible man uh, during this period. And uh, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes to look back and see, but it's, it's, it's the miracle of walking through this and seeing where I am now because this is not, this is my miracle because this is nothing that I could have ever done with any controlling or manipulation or anything that I could ever try to find was the only uh, the source behind this and the strength uh, for for this reconciliation and restoration of our lives. Um, I just I love baseball and baseball for me is what what kind of I felt was my it was my go to with all the hurt I had as a kid. If I was on the baseball field, that's where I felt at home. So I loved it. When I couldn't play baseball anymore, I went to coach. The only way you could coach was to teach. The only way you could do that was to go to college and do all this stuff. It was just, you know, so anyway, I was I, I going through the motions, doing all this, um, doing, trying to, you know, marry. I started teaching and coaching. Uh, loved it. And that's really when I, I work became my, my go-to when I was, uh, I would run. I, I, I also just started running from life. I remember running from argument, a situation, anything I don't like, I went to work. It was it was the one thing I could do and actually just feel good about myself that I was doing what I'm a man supposed to do, just go to work. And so I lived at work. Um, and th- unfortunately, I didn't learn this till later, but my career path and what I had chosen to do just did not fit my um, personality or, or character traits in a way that uh, I, I, when I would go and, and teach seven classes during the day and, and almost pretty much being a fake. So I'm, I'm, I'm going seven or eight hours a day teaching Bible classes, teaching history classes. I loved history. I loved baseball. Past that, I really didn't care. I just, so I would stand up in front of the class all day long, teach, then coach baseball for hours and then come home completely drained. It, it literally sucked the life out of me to the point to where when I came home, I did, I had zero words to say to Andrew. We had no relationship. Um, I had just given it all at work and come home and thought that uh, she was just supposed to be standing there in her lingerie with dinner ready. And uh, thank you, thank you, Greg, for working so hard today. Here I am. Just go to bed and get some rest. And I, that's just, but it was just crazy that I was just, that was my thinking. And it, it was uh, not like that. <laughs> so it was, uh, you know, I was like, oh, this is what marriage is going to be. I, yeah, I, I just must have married the wrong person. This is not like it is on TV. And so I, that's, that was my mentality during this period. And I, and it would, it got to the point to where, uh, because she, she, I knew a little bit about her childhood and I had chosen just to, to say, oh, just get over it. You know, childhood's bad. My, my dad died. Beat that. You know, whatever. I'm fine. And then, so we would just, you know, that was my attitude towards injury. But I had no idea until later on and the impact of uh, what she had walked through physically 
And it was the easy cop out for me as a man just to turn to pornography. That's that's just the easy thing to do. I didn't uh, wasn't I was exposed a little bit to it when I was young, but uh, or in high school, not much. Uh, but that curiosity was there. By the time we're married, and I'm struggling with not having a wife, struggling with this, well, I just have to take care of myself. Then pornography was on the internet just a click away and it was easily accessible to you know to everybody and so that was the trap and that's that's it, it grabbed a hold of me and that was my I didn't need Andrea anymore I didn't feel like at that point so so that just I was looking everywhere else and just we were married and that, that was it that was there was no but we were getting ready to just go ahead and uh, check another box off the list and, and have a, a, a baby. We wanted a, we wanted a kid, so let's just go ahead and marry people that wants to have kids. Mm-hmm. So uh, so let's do that too. But we um, I, we moved. We ended up leaving Hasbro, moved up to West Point uh, for Andrew to finish grad school uh, at, at the W in Columbus. So we we picked up left Hasbro, uh, moved up there, uh, moved in with her parents. I continued working. I got another teaching and coaching job. And this time it was actually head coaching baseball. And I, I, I was like, Ooh, this is great. I can work 20 hours a day and then come home for four and raise myself. You know, and that, that was just kind of what I was leaning towards doing and started doing once we got up there. Um, it, and the strain of the living situation was, it just, it was a blessing that her, her Andrew's parents were opened up their home to us. But because we didn't have a relationship in our marriage, it was, it was not good for us. I could leave her to her parents and never come home. And that was, you know, that, that's just, it, it was not good for us. Yeah, um, Sandra, um, talked, you know, just that break in our relationship, um, I ended up kind of, um, you know, all, I basically went to school, went home, and did homework and all, but then I got very addicted to Facebook. Um, and any of y'all know that know me very well, y'all know I hate Facebook. I hate Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, um, I ended up, I just started doing some um, flirting and making inappropriate comments and stuff with a guy on there. And um, and Greg, um, he he saw him one day and, um, of course, he got mad about it. But our solution was to um, just pick up and go out of my parents' house. I guess we were thinking getting out of there would help. Um, so we went, we, uh, rented an apartment in Starkville, and so we just pretty much packed up all of our problems and just left from one place and took them to another place. I mean, we never even dealt with them, we never addressed them. Um, so anyway, we, um, that was right kind of towards the end of grad school. So I finished school, I took a job in Eucora at, um, a nursing home there. Doing speech therapy, and after about a year, I got pregnant with Jackson, and I ended up having severe postpartum depression. Um, I don't have to that down. And so, you know, anybody that has ever been truly depressed, I mean, it's it's a feeling I don't wish on anybody. Um, you feel so empty. I mean, just hopeless and helpless, and um, I don't even you just withdraw from everybody. Um, I mean, it's hard to even make yourself get out of bed. It, it was, it was miserable, and um, and so you know, I mean, because I mean, what was already 
relationship. I guess, you know, I mean, still everything's just, I don't know, strange. It's just awful. Um, but I guess, you know, we thought, well, let's just have another baby. You know, I mean, that's what you do. Maybe that'll make it better. Um, so we got pregnant with Sadie and had her. And um, anyway, but just, you know, during all of this time, just my feelings of bitterness towards Greg really were escalating. Um, I was feeling so neglected. Not, you know, I felt like my kids were being neglected. He's gotten worked all the time. And um, so I just, it started really tapping into tapping into those feelings that I had as a child all through and I just a feeling of love and I'm with. And um so, you know, I mean still at this point we literally have no emotional connection, no physical relationship whatsoever. Um but then we also kinda had the sense that we had um some financial strain um that really started kind of um easing its ugly head into um into the picture as well. And so um, at this point, actually, like I was, I was actually making more more money than he was, but he was in control of all of the finances, just all of that, all the money spending and all. And so, um, you know, he go, he had started going and really purchasing, um, you know, pretty expensive things. I mean, a tractor, uh, you know, like things like that. So it wasn't like just kind of fifty dollars here and there. You know, it was major purchases. And um, so I really, that just added to the bitterness, you know, because I was like, okay, like, we have this much debt, and you're still going out and buying, you know, a tractor. Um, so anyway, but all that say, like, um, I must, like, I, I, I guess I always thought that it was evident how I felt about him. I, I really thought that he knew, but um, he obviously he didn't. He was completely oblivious um, to that, to all my bitterness and, and all towards mom and um no, we yeah, we didn't talk much there was no communication so we um all the feelings that she was having bitterness and uh even the depression and, and everything that she was walking through at the time I, I just was oblivious to it and i chose to just go to work and ignore it because i didn't i didn't understand depression i was so insensitive to it i didn't understand why someone just could be happy sad today just be let's just be happy or you know, work through it i i didn't understand and I, I didn't really want to i just felt like i was too busy let me just go back to work and run from this situation my insecurities too were uh, so self-evident during this period because i, I just I, I was always looking for um feeling good enough and because we didn't have a relationship i never felt good enough um i never felt good enough in any way, really, I, Andrea, it was such a sort of so prideful and such a source of, of uh, tension between us, which just me knowing uh, that she was making more money than me, and that's just like that, that is not supposed to happen. A man's supposed to make money and take care of everything, and so I really I started withdrawing a lot and really even spending more time at work. I just I left her to alone to do what she wanted to do, but at the same time. Um, I don't know why I had this just, just, I was so complacent with things. I had made it up in my mind, this is what life is going to be like. This is not good. I, I kind of hate it, but this is what we've decided to do. So we're going to live in it, we're going to die in it, and this is all there is. Um, I never, and, and kind of leading into to what we were, the, the next episode of our lives, it's just, I, I, I would have 
I never thought there were any other options. I, I, I thought, you know, well, I really didn't want to have a relationship with God. I really didn't know there was anything other than uh, maybe just pornography and work to get me through my marriage and, and, and my life and what I would uh, what I would deal with. Um, but we were just, I was checking things off the list. Like I said, I, I, I had a wife. We had two kids. Uh, a man's supposed to have a tractor. Um, <laughs> so, you know, all the things that I just thought, that's just what you do. I'm going to make it happen even if I'm robbing from the family and robbing from somebody else. Just, just let me just make this happen. Um, so that's just, that, that's where I am at this moment in, in, in our relationship and, and what's leading up to, to more disaster. So, um, yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm just absolutely desperate for attention. Um, so I just wanted somebody to help me. And... So I went back to work after my maternity leave with Sadie, and um, you know, the guy kind of started showing some interest. Um, and it just kind of started leading to flirting, and then um, you know, we got to talking more and more, and um, developed an emotional connection, and then, um, and then eventually a physical relationship. And um, so, um, you know. Looking back, you know, I mean, just for so long, that was such a huge thing for me. The, you know, the one thing I swore I would never, ever do is, um, is what I did. And, you know, it was, so, it was so against my character and the moral standards and the rules I had set for myself. And so I just kind of, you know, it shows you, like, how much of a stronghold Enemy can have on a person, and um, and it's scary. It's it's really scary. Um, so after about um six six months, I guess um, Greg uh, found out about it, and then I um you know began having to face all the consequences of my actions, and um, I lost everything. I lost my friends. I lost my reputation. Um, his Greg and his trust. Um, the work environment, you know, I, I, it, was, it was almost unbearable. I, I was sick going to work every day. Um, and Greg, you know, and Greg lost his job because of what I had done. And, um, yeah, it, um, so leading up, really leading right up to that moment, I think, of, of, of me finding out, um, I, I literally, I, I was already in a bad place, but just moving along. And so my insecurities, my um, all the baggage that I had uh, and emotions and anger that I had probably hid, put down and hid for so long, uh, it just exploded. And there was, I was out of control. I didn't know what to do. And I was such a prideful person. You know, that's the thing. Adultery was... The thing, I was like, well, I'll never do that. Didn't consider pornography adultery. But it was something that I was so against. I was like, well, that's, you don't, you're not forgiven for that. You are going to hell for that. And, and how can I make sure you go to hell? I mean, I was that mad and that furious because it was just something I, I didn't know was even a possibility. We'd seen it. 
we had friends, we had family members. We've we been around it our whole life, but it was just something that, you know, I was constantly saying this will never happen to me. And I always said it's a prideful man. Uh, and, and what probably a lot of rednecks say, uh, you know, if anybody ever touches my woman, you're dying. You're, you're, I'm killing you. And that, that's so to find myself in that moment of that having happened, what do I do? I didn't know what to do. We, we had such a good moral, strong background. You, you don't kill people. You don't do drugs. You don't do, you don't do these certain things. Um, and, and so to find myself with that choice and that decision, to make, I, did, I didn't know what to do. So that uh, the anger, the hatred is all coming out. My insecurities are just mounting and exploding. Um, I was going to make sure I destroyed her worse than she could have ever destroyed me. I felt she had ruined my life already. The disappointment of marriage. I, I, I felt so cheated. I felt so already leading up to this that I was just going to make sure she was destroyed and so that hatred sent everything that she described about losing I, I, I probably had a hand in manipulating and controlling that in a way that she had nowhere to go but to hit rock bottom and then from there I'm going to try to manipulate and control Andrea in a way to make her what I want or we'll just figure out divorce I didn't know anything about divorce and I never wanted to but I didn't I didn't know what to do and, and I really didn't have anybody to ask and I think that's when I started really missing uh, maybe my dad. Marriage counselor was mentioned by family members. Now this is try some marriage counseling. The only reason I was okay with that because I knew there was nothing wrong with me. Uh, it was all Andrea. <laughs> uh, so it's like, let's just, you know, we, we can go and this will make me feel good that I've done everything I could do to uh, save this marriage and to save Andrea. Um, but it, it was just a way to cover up all the things that I was doing to where I didn't feel quite so guilty. And and I don't know what it was in those moments. Uh, or at the time, I didn't know what it was. But looking back on it now, it's just amazing. What was the little things like that that restrained me in a way to create something for the future and create something that was going to be um, such a blessing later on. But in the moment of the fog and the hate and the, and the anger, it was just, let's just, life is over. We're done. And I was probably so depressed at the time and never even knew because I didn't know what depression was and you're not supposed to be depressed. That's probably where I was at that time. Um, but I just, I thank God. I, I just, there were a few key men that he had brought across my path during that time that were feeding into me in some way. They were being friends to me and, and, and really, I, my me being able to spend time with them, I was not creating more damage and um, destroying things even further. And so that, that was a blessing. Um, but I, and we've learned so much through counseling. Um, and I don't know how I made it through that period, thinking back on it, um, except for the men that I was slowly just moving, moving into my life and helping me make changes. Um, yeah, so a lot of this next part is going to be the timeline kind of overlaps with what we just talked about, but um, I think it was about a month or two, I guess, after we found out, and I mean, I knew he hated me, he was so mad at me, and I mean, I literally, yeah, like I said, had lost everything, I just, I literally, I hit rock bottom, and I began having thoughts of suicide, and so um, my doctor 
in hospital um, for a week or severe clinical depression. And I'll never forget the very first day walking in there and pronounced terrified. Um, I didn't know what to expect. And, um, you know, I, mean, I'm, I was just so depressed. I remember going in the room that they put me in and I stayed there all day. Like, anyway, so, and it really was. That whole experience was, was life-changing for me because that was, that was the first time in my life that I learned that it's okay to talk. It's okay to talk about things and that there are people out there who, who can help you. And um, so, and like I said, it was after that, um, you know, we had already started marriage counseling and all, but it, I mean, it was getting nowhere, um, which is making things worse, I think. Um, so, but after I was hospitalized, um, I ended up having to continue going for individual counseling. And and I think that that's what I needed to do. That's what I had to do because there was no way I could work on this when this was completely broken and needed work. And so, so that's what I shifted my focus on. So we filed for divorce and we moved down here to Jackson to start over. And um, so after we moved, I, I sold our house and then the kids and I um, rented, got a rental house there in Starpool. And I, I left my job at the hospital, um, I, I, I needed to get out of that environment to begin healing. Um, and so I took a job back over in Eufora, um, that same place I was before, and those ladies there just were amazing. They welcomed me with open arms, and they loved me, and they put their arms around me and supported me, gave me encouragement. I didn't feel judgment whatsoever. They, God put them there, writing me down, and um, so it just kind of gave me that little push to keep keep going. And um, and so um, about that time, that same time, I started uh, Jackson State, and I started going to Highlight Starkville, and um, and for the first time ever, I started really experiencing God and um, and learning who He really is, that He is a loving Father, that pours out his grace and his mercy on us. And um, and he put so many wonderful women in my path at that point um, that just, you know, I mean, they spoke so much truth into me. And, um, you know, so here I am. God is, I think at this point, he's beginning his work in me. But I'm still struggling with my sinful human nature and just my need needs to be wanted and um and have attention and all so I um I ended up having um, a couple of other physical relationships um a couple of other guys um I, I guess like looking back now I had just that false belief that a relationship or a man or something would just fix everything um and I also started drinking very heavily at this time um just to numb numb myself and to escape reality. And um, anyway, and there was a point where um, Greg started kind of reaching out to me, um, sending text messages and stuff, you know, just um, you know, telling me that you know, I love you and I forgive you and all this. But I had, you know, I had started to kind of just shut myself off from him. Um, 
just really to protect myself, I guess, because, you know, he did hate me so much, and he, he was trying to, to hurt me, and I, and I knew that. And so um, so when he came and started kind of, you know, saying those type of things, um, it was very confusing, you know. And so I, I, I just wouldn't respond. I just, you know, put up a wall, and um, I just, like, you know, just couldn't deal with it. And so um, when I wouldn't respond, he would get he would get angry, and um, and then come right back at me and, and verbally attack me, um, let me know what kind of person I was, and reminded me of all my mistakes and you know, all that. And so, um, so basically at that point, I literally just calloused my heart towards him. I mean, completely. And um, you know, and I don't think that we would have even been communicating with each other at this point because um, it was this was. Right after you know he had moved down here to Jackson, but I, because of Jackson and Sadie, you know, I mean, he got him every every other weekend, you know, so we were still having to communicate um, because of him. So um, yeah, I, it it was it was during that period, and and moving down to Jackson, it was me, um, it was me getting rock bottom at that time, and that's exactly what had to happen. I just I had to. I had to be without all the things that I felt like I created and earned over the years. And it was, um, so my, my, my life was just gone. My pride was destroyed. All these different things that I just were so important to me were completely gone. So I came down here and I, I had, I had my, my family, my immediate family, my mom and my sisters here. And I was around people who loved me and, and helped me through this period, gave me, something to do because I, I was kept I just needed to be in that situation and um, but coming back to Jackson I wasn't by myself and um it was during that during the time that I, I really started uh, putting out the effort. I knew the Bible, I knew God. I I, I could talk about him all day long, just had no relationship with him and never put anything spiritual into practice. And um it was it was during this period that I slowly started surrendering little things over to God in a way that I had, I had never done before. I was learning a little bit about what love was. Um, I was learning a little bit about forgiveness. And, and so I would throw a line and start real quick, but then I wouldn't get what I expected. So but anger would come out. But I, I was I was like, huh. That's not that's not what I was expecting, but I was I was still kind of moving like she said. We started we started in small ways experiencing God, surrendering surrendering ourselves and experiencing God, but still at the same time that, that human nature what we're always accustomed to doing kept coming out more and more uh, on just uh, trying to communicate. I, it was to the point where, like she said, she cut me off because I was so hurtful for her, which was the best thing that could have happened completely cutting me off um, and then me really putting out um, the, the effort to fix myself. It was the first time I ever realized there might be something wrong with Greg. We've got to do something. And, and the, the only way Greg was going to get fixed was by surrendering completely and, and turning my life over to God to do some big time healing. Um, and so that's when I really, I, I started going to Pine Lake a little bit. I started experiencing God in some different ways. Uh, but it's still at the same time, I had that need for being home. Um, I, I 
off like, well, it's over with Andrew because there's zero communication. So we've got to finish these divorce papers so I can move on. Um, let me just have another chance. Let me get married again, have another wife, and I can try to do things a little differently to see how it plays out. So that's the direction I started moving, um, trying to, to learn more, experiencing God, but at the same time, uh, finding a woman who might really accept me to make me feel maybe good enough because I was so shamed and guilty for everything I had done. Um, and I really started moving along the path. of uh, I had met a young lady, uh, got engaged. Uh, we were getting married. <laughs> Several months had gone by. Our divorce was final. Um, we had no communication. And um, I was just going to move on because I really didn't know what else to do. I was just, it was, I was just giving in to knowing we, I would see Jackson Sadie every couple of weeks on the weekend, and that would be my life. Um, so uh, I finally, I didn't know any other way of reaching her. I didn't know if she read letters. I didn't know what she was doing, what was going on in Starville. But I went up to pick the kids up one weekend, and I, I had uh, taken me several days to write it. I just poured out my heart on paper. Um, hoping that maybe she would read it. I had reconciled things in my heart towards her, and um, God had, by that time, I, I was I was healing. I was still very broken, but I knew what love was, and I knew that I had to forgive Andrew. There was no way I was going to live or be able to move on with my life without forgiving because of the horrible things that I had done. Um, and so... I wrote the letter, and I, I went. I, I gave it to her about the kids, and uh, and, and I actually, yeah, I actually read the letter, and and it's only by God's grace that I read it because, I mean, he had like you know he would hand me notes here and there, like he would have you know be in passing, like you know, um, hand the kids over back and forth or whatever, or some you know like just little things. But I, I mean, I would take and I would start. I mean, I turn around throw it away. Um, just so it wouldn't affect me, and you know. So when he gave that to me, yeah, I mean, it literally, I, God, I guess He's the only reason, the only thing I can think of that actually made me open that envelope and read it. And um, and so it was for the first time, like I truly, I felt His sincerity and His genuineness, and I, I knew I was like. Is forgiving me, like he's, and so that wall that I had built up against him, I mean, like, y'all, God just immediately started knocking it down just in that moment, and um, so I was like, you know, um, I called him, and um, well, in the letters when he, you know, I knew that they were engaged, um. But in the letter, he, um, he mentioned that um, he was eloping. And that was it. And so, um, pretty much, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, I have no time. I've got to act now, you know. So um, I called him that night, and I just, you know, poured my heart out. We cried together, and, you know, I told him, I said, Greg, please, like, if there's ever, if there's anything in you that ever wants to reconcile our marriage, it doesn't have to be right now, but just, Ever, please don't go through with this. And um, and I think we just kind of left it, um, you know, as he, he, he said, I don't, I don't know what to say right now. Um, and you know, so he, he 
it's like, let me just slip it on and I'll, I'll call you you know, then. So yeah, it, it it was that that was uh that was me just basically telling her I'm I'm moving on and um but I have forgiven you and I love you and you can never speak to me again, that's fine. Um but I, I'm just I'm moving on and I just want you to know that. And so it was I think her calling me or even saying anything to me was what I I had not seen emotion from the person I had up to that point, dedicated my life to, and I think that little bit of emotion and injury is what um, caused me to stop. I, I, it was uh, it was a pretty uh, eventful weekend. I, I was <laughs> headed to the beach to get married, and I had Jackson and Sadie with me, and they were, were going to be in the wedding, and we're just going <laughs> to move on with our lives, and they're uh, crying uncontrollably in the back seat as I'm driving. To the coast and then I started crying and I, I didn't know what to do and I, I'll never forget pulling over on the side of the highway calling Andrea and just you know it's like are you serious <laughs> is this serious are you serious about what you said is this there you know and is it okay for me to come home or for me to come back and, and do something different and um so we turned around and I <laughs> I, I to start with, and then it was just kind of us. Uh, surreal moment. Yeah, it was a surreal moment, and that when that had not happened, probably ever, even when we were yeah. supposedly happily married. <laughs> <laughs> so, but um, so at that point, we um, immediately started back to marriage counseling, and you know we were dedicated to um, actually trying and taking to heart what they were telling us to do and all. And, um, and at this time, though, I mean, Greg, you know, he had already moved his life down here to Jackson, so he literally was commuting back and forth every single day. Um, so we ended up, um, we remarried in um, June of 2014. It was um, right one year, right at one year after the divorce was finalized. And... Um, you know, I mean, at that point, there was still so much healing that had to take place, so much maturing and growing and forgiving. And, um, but it was like that was our commitment to making to making things right and, and starting over and um, and doing it the right way and all. And I, I just mentioned, I said, I, I feel I, I want to get back to the home and I want to do it the right way. And this, you know, and he said, you know, I, I do too. Too. And so we decided, well, let's just make that part of the, the wedding. And so um, at the very beginning of, of the service, we, um, we both we got baptized together and um, just kind of rededicating our lives to the Lord first and then um, and rededicated our lives to each other. Looking back, I mean, just you can see how, how God has been so faithful and how he has shown us his redemptive power. Us with two more children since then, better than ever, stronger than ever, and um, and even my relationship with my mom and my dad, but particularly my mom, has just been restored because of just going through all of this. Um, for me personally, like um, things I've learned, the way that God has has changed me and transformed my heart, um, He's healed a lot of my emotional brokenness. Um, there are still some things that. Kind of trigger thoughts or feelings sometimes, um, 
but it's the innovative tools, so to speak, that people in my life and um, and things to do to um, to deal with them in a in a healthy way and more effective way. Um, he has just he has developed this love in me for Greg that I never had before, um, and and a desire to actually meet his needs. Um, before I, I mean I you know I just got where I, I didn't care you know um, to meet anything any of his needs, and so um, I mean, even like one of his biggest things he, he just he wants our kids to see, and I do too, but. He especially really wants our kids to see us love on each other. And, um, and you know, it was so awkward for me at first because I never saw that growing up. And so um, now it's like, you know, I'm, I'm able to kind of go outside my comfort zone, um, only by the Lord helping me through that. But, you know, just even letting Greg give me a hug and, and give me a kiss with the kids standing right there watching, like, I mean, it's huge for me. Um, and even letting, letting my guard down. Um, now I can actually um, just relax and be free with him and let him enjoy my body. Anyway, so, and I'm able, you know, I was never really one, I hated apologizing for anything like that. That just was weird for me. But um, so I can actually, you know, I can pretty much immediately tell now, like when I, Took him off, you know, or if he's frustrated with me or something, and um, so I, I don't, I don't let it go, you know. I immediately just go to him and tell him I'm sorry, um, and um, and I'm able to forgive him a lot easier and quicker now when he makes me mad. So, <laughs> um, but anyway, um, and I'll, I'll just kind of, oh, the biggest thing I did want to mention this. I think the biggest thing we have learned, um all of this is um, how important communication is with each other. Open and honest communication. And, you know, I mean, the Lord's the one that gave us um, the ability to speak. And, the, you know, he, he gave us body language. He gave us facial expressions, you know, and um, with, you know, with the intentions that we use it. And um, because that's the only way that you can really work through anything is just to communicate, and um, so I think that's been a, a probably the biggest difference in our relationship from the first marriage. It's just complete open communication. One of the things I love most in our stories is when people grow up with a view of God of this great big judge sitting on a chair who's angry all the time, and then through life, through whatever they've experienced all of a sudden they realize that he is a loving father, mm -hmm. that he's mm -hmm. here for relationship, that he loves us all the time, that he loves us no matter what, no matter how good we are. And But a lot of people grow up with a view of God as this great big judge. Well, and we're all products of our upbringing. We're products of our experiences and, and everything that kind of builds us as we grow mm -hmm. up. And it was just interesting to see their transformation in there. I mean, they tried counseling. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're, we yeah. all believe in counseling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it did not take hold until they had truly surrendered to the Lord and tried to work on themselves. Mm -hmm. So many times in marriage, mm -hmm. and, and I'm number one in this, but <laughs> we try to fix the other person. Yeah, like yeah. If, they, if the other person would just change, then everything would be fine. Right. 
and it was a true picture of a need to surrender myself and, and really fix mm-hmm. myself first. Mm-hmm. And the importance of dealing with things from your past, uh, you know, and that's, that's right. what counseling's for. Absolutely. And you know what? In marriages, we're very comfortable talking about infidelity and affairs and, and that kind of thing. And even more so as a society, we can talk more freely about childhood trauma. I appreciated Greg's honesty about pornography mm-hmm. because we all know that is rampant right now. And, and just getting a hold of that and acknowledging that um, was powerful. Yeah, and you know, we've had marriage stories where they might have one or two of the these right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what 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 Greg and Andrea walked through, but to hear everything that they walked through and how God restored that so beautifully. Yes. And I'm so thankful to Greg and Andrea for being so willing to share their story with people who are really struggling in their marriages, bringing other people hope that hey, guess what? Nothing is too far off from being saved. So I just hope that someone hears that out there that might be struggling right now, that, you know, God can do miracles. I loved how he said, you know, when he wrote the card, you know, to his pastor of what his miracle was, and he was coming down the stairs, and he ran into Andrea right there, and he was like, what confirmation it was that God wanted to heal their marriage. And we all know Satan, that's where Satan hits first is families. He wants to destroy the family unit. Mm -hmm. And I'm just... I'm just amazed at what God did in their marriage and how they are using that to glorify him. So thank you, Greg and Andrea, for being so brave and vulnerable. Yes. And was it easy? No, no. And he even said, I still deal with triggers. We all do. Mm -hmm. But God was with them. I do love how he said those triggers that happen, he can now deal with them in a healthy way. Because we all have triggers. I mean, yeah. even when you have marriage problems, it's real easy to hold. You, you say you oh, forgive, uh-huh. but you file it back in your <laughs> right. head, and you're like, I'm going to use that again at you some re- point. replay that. And being able to, to use that in a healthy way of, of recognizing that's a lie from Satan, and God has already restored that. Well, we would love to pray for you right now. People just keep coming to mind. We know that right now, having been home for several months on end, marriages are really struggling. and. And if yours is not, then we bless your marriage and we say, please speak out and encourage others, you know, Mm -hmm. use this time that God's given you in your home to, to encourage other people. And so we're going to pray for, for those that are having a hard time and maybe separated, walk through a divorce, even Um, you're, it's not too late and you're not alone. So I'm going to pray for us right now. And Lord, I just pray for these marriages all over the world of anyone listening that is struggling, that's having a hard time, that's going through a dark place. Lord, that you would be near to them. We thank you for Greg and Andrea and their story, that it provides such hope and it just shows the miracles that you can do, Lord. So I pray that people would take these story, take their story, that they would take Greg and Andrea's story as their own hope of what you can do, of how you show up in our lives and when things seem completely hopeless, when we don't know how to communicate, when things get very difficult. God, you are there and you step into the situation and you can change any room, you can change any home and you can change any marriage. So we just ask you, Lord, to step into the homes today of our listeners and step into the middle of their marriage for redemption and miracles. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.